And welcome to Reim Ahuvim. This is Rabbi Yitz Greenfield, MS Marriage and Family Therapy. I am so happy you are joining me on jrootradio.com and you are thinking to yourself, is this a live show? Is he speaking live today? I don't know when you're listening to me, but whenever you're listening to me, um, this is a very important show. Today is a live show. Well, I guess if you're listening to me on... July 27th, 11.08 a.m., then you are listening to me live. If you're listening to me um, on Monday night after Eicha, then I am telling you it is important. It is a very, very important show. This is a very important show. And the reason I say this is because we are going to be discussing a lot of very critical pieces to integrate into your marriage, especially, especially now when Tisha B'Av is coming or you might be listening to this on Tisha B'Av. So this is a live show. Um, what we do, what we try to, for those of you who are new listeners, what we do, we try to learn and develop new skills and tools to renew and to strengthen the connection you have with your spouse. And if you do not think that's important, then I do not know why you are married. Yes, <laughs> seriously. You should constantly be striving to connect and reconnect and reach the next level of shlemus. Next level. There's no way you're going to tell me you're on the highest level. There's no such thing. Because there's constant nisyonos. There's constant tests. Were you not tested this morning with your husband? Were you not tested this morning with your wife? You're going to tell me not? Okay, great. If you weren't tested this morning, then you were probably tested yesterday. And if you weren't tested yesterday... You know, actually, I'm not even going to go there. I'm telling you, you tested yesterday. This is called Olam Haza. Welcome to Olam Haza. Because, you know, lost at Lavo, as they say, you're going to be looking down at Olam Haza and saying, oh boy, I could have done so much. Could have done so much, but I just didn't grab the bull by its horns. I did not take the opportunities that Kash Bokhu presented me. And you know where those opportunities lie? Those opportunities are in your house. Don't think that you have to run out and do all these chasadim, because all these people who are doing wonderful chasadim, I'm not saying they should stop. Don't, you know, when I say these things, I, I, I don't want you to like, oh, Rabbi Grieville said you shouldn't do chasadim. I didn't say that. I didn't say don't do chasad. I'm not saying that. But let me tell you what I am saying. What I am saying is that chasad starts in your home. I'm talking really more to the gentlemen than to the ladies over here today. But ladies, you too. Yes, chasad starts in the home. That's where it starts, and that's where you should engage the chesed. Don't run out of the house trying to do chasadim when you're not doing chasadim with your spouse, with your children, with your parents. That's where it really should start. And you think it's a mistake that Hashem has us getting married? Like, is there a couple in the world ever who got married and after like a couple of months think to themselves, like, what did I get myself into? Like, I don't understand what's going on here. I never expected this to be. <laughs> of course you never expected this to be because you had no idea. There, all there was was a chemical or some sort of attraction you had for your spouse, but you didn't really understand how different she is than you. You didn't understand that a Baruch who created us completely and utterly different, where we think, feel, perceive, love, appreciate, analyze all differently. All why? In order for Hashem to put us in an Esoyon, and for us to engage in a cellion to become better people. Yeah, you hear me? To become better people. And then when we do that, you know what happens ultimately? 
we're not sad. We don't walk and uh, say, oh, I'm just such a loser. I married such a loser wife. It's such a loser husband. Oh, it's a horrible marriage. No. If we engage on a Sionos and we do what's right, we're going to feel more connected to our spouse. Of course, our spouse has to be in it as well. They have to appreciate everything that we're doing. I'm not chas v'shalom. You know, like I, I want to say something interesting. You know, I, I, uh, a year or two years ago, I was giving a lecture upstate um, and I was I was talking a lot about being mavater, which I want to I want to discuss today also a little bit soon. But I was talking about mavater, and I, I I have to be honest with you. Before I gave the speech, I said to people, I said to them, "There's nothing, probably nothing more important in your marriage than than being mavater." Now, don't jump on me. Even those of you who are listening to me right now, by the way, don't jump on me. Don't be like, "Whoa, what do you mean?" Because there really isn't nothing more important in your, in your relation than being mavater. That's what I feel. If people were at to ask me, what's the most important thing to have a successful marriage, I would say being mavater. Being mavater. Now, does that mean that you always have to be mavater? So I made sure, as a prelude to my lecture, to say to everybody, by the way, I just want to make something very, very clear, and that is, yes, I feel that 95% of the time, or 90, 95% of the time, you should be mavater. 95% of the time. But, it's those 5% of the times that if you don't communicate in a healthy way or negotiate in a healthy way, that that could kill a marriage as well. Now, the problem when I say this, boy, this phone's ringing. I've turned it off over here. The problem when I'm saying this is that I'm sorry to say, people only hear what they want to hear. So and I may, I have very clear, I said, there is 5% of the time that you have to communicate, that you have to negotiate, that you have to express your feelings, that you have to work things out. But really, really 5% of the time, and you know, as I'm thinking about it, I don't even think it's 5% of the time. I would say it's 3% of the time. I was working with couples, Baruch Hashem, I was also to work with a lot of couples. I would say the average marriage, I would say maybe 5 3% of the time. And how many marriages are constantly fighting, constantly arguing, constantly criticizing, attacking, and, and constantly trying to communicate with their husbands or wives, not really that you're not communicating. What you're doing is you're taking a gun, you're shooting at them. That's what you're doing. You're shooting at them, and you're making them feel horrible. And they're going to strike back, and you're going to strike back, and then it's going to become a whole fighting arena. And you know what happens in a boxing ring? Let me tell you what happens in a boxing ring. I'm going to make this very clear. Both boxers get hurt, number one, and both boxers, at the end of the day, after a lot of boxing, you know what the boxers end up with? Brain damage. You don't believe me? Look it up. Brain damage. That's what happens. What do you think is going to happen in your marriage when you're constantly fighting and bickering and attacking and criticizing and your husband's criticizing you and you criticize back him and it becomes a whole tit for tat and a fight and a this and a that? Who wins? I'm asking you. Who wins? You know, buddy, you know who wins? Nobody wins. It's just, it just a struggle. And you know who suffers the most? I hate to say this. It's the children. Those are the ones who suffer the most. They're the ones who have to be privy to all this machlokas. And they're going to come and try to somehow like distract you from the fight. So sad. It's so sad. That even after, you know... T- in today's day and age, there's so much fighting going on. So much fighting going on in marriages. Really so much fighting going on in marriages. And I'm telling you, most of those fights could have been prevented simply by one spouse being mavater. 
One. You don't even need both of them. One spouse being mevater. You. You are listening to me today to be mevater. Now, you might say to me, <laughs> be mevater. Um, I don't stop being mevater, Rabbi Greenfield. I don't stop. I'm mevater, 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 mevater. And that's what happened. It's interesting because when I gave this lecture and I said clearly that there's 5%. I said 5%. Now I'm even saying 3%. 5% of the time we actually have to negotiate. Um, lo and behold, after my lecture, Baruch Hashem, I felt like I had to get the Shemaya in the lecture. Someone comes over to me and says to me, so a woman says to me, Rabbi Griffith, I'll say something. You really have to be careful when you talk about being mavater. Because when you say being mavater, people might perceive that you always have to be mavater. And you know, I was actually in a relationship with a man for many, many years. And I used to be mavater. I used to be trampled on. And I was emotionally abused until finally I realized what was going on. I had some help, went for therapy, and I realized that I was being emotionally abused and I had to and I had to get out of the relationship and I got out of the relationship. Now, you know, I, I looked at this woman, I'm thinking to myself, You like did, were you listening to me? Did you hear what I said originally? Did you hear how I said sometimes you have to be negotiating? You can't always let go. But Nebuch, you know what? She went through whatever she went through, so she heard whatever she heard. I'm not Khafashan blaming her. But what I'm telling you right now is that Ruba de Ruba of marriages the bigness of you is to be mavater. That's ruba veruba. Now, how about negotiation? Yes, sometimes we have to negotiate. Now, when I say that my 5% rule, you know, I say 5%, it doesn't stand true for everyone. So don't get so upset at me. It doesn't get true for everyone. I'm talking about your average marriage. Some marriages, it has. sometimes it has to be up to 10%. Uh, hmm, got to be careful with that. Some marriages, there are some marriages where you are going to have to, I don't want to use the word negotiate 10% of the time, but at least communicate your feelings up to 10% of the time. 10%, you hear me? I'm not saying more than 10. 10% of the time, it'll go up. Why will it go up? Because these are very volatile marriages. Marriages where either you or your spouse come from a very challenging childhood which may involve uh, toxic attachment patterns either with your parents or with your friends or your teachers or you were criticized as a kid by your Rosh Hashiva and principals and just really felt horrible as a child. You never really felt good about yourself. And, and they're just, 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 you know, you don't feel good about yourself. Or your husband doesn't feel good about himself. And what happens is he's just going to be very, you know, I speak about a sensitivity dial. Remember we spoke about the sensitivity dial? So your husband's going to be like super sensitive. Super sensitive. Anything you say, he'll be like, whoa, we'll start you into a fight. Like I have some couples I deal with that they say they, they don't want to even go on vacation because they know they're going to get into a fight. Could you imagine? <laughs> Could you imagine? I'm talking to the people who have healthy marriages. Those of you who have unhealthy marriages, you don't have to imagine. It's probably existing in your home where you can't, you know, but this is like a pretty big extreme. What did you say? Where you can't even go on vacation with your husband because you're going to get into fights all the time? How is that? How is that possible? I'll tell you how that's possible. You know how that's possible? Because one of your sensitivity dials is very, very high, either yours or your husband's or both of yours. It happens. It, it happens. And in that case, you know, with the term, I feel like I'm walking on eggshells. I feel like I'm walking on eggshells with my husband. I feel like I'm walking on eggshells with him all the time. Or I feel like I'm walking on eggshells with my wife. I can't say anything because if I say anything, we're going to get into a fight. Well, you know why that's happening? That's happening generally generally because two reasons. Number one is because either spouse has self-esteem challenges, self-worth challenges, and feel good about themselves. So anything that's going to sound 
like criticism is going to be defined as criticism, right? So the guy wakes up in the morning and says, oh, I, see you didn't get, I see you didn't get a chance to do the dishes last night. And the woman can be so upset. She goes, well, why don't you do them yourself? It's like, whoa, I, I'm just saying a silly comment. I was trying to make a conversation. And you're telling me, why don't I go and do them myself? Why, why are you fighting with me? Why is it a fight? Why? I'll tell you why. So first of all, it might be because she happens to be very sensitive. And when I say sensitive, meaning that she grew up in an abusive home or she even not an abusive home. She didn't feel loved by her parents. She felt criticized all the time. Or she used to get into fights with her sister all the time and her parents never got involved. Whatever it was, whatever it was. But it was a toxic upbringing and therefore she's going to be very sensitive. That's one possibility. Another possibility is that her husband is not providing her with her primary needs. She doesn't feel loved. She doesn't feel cared about. She could be a healthy woman, a completely healthy, emotionally healthy woman, but because she hasn't felt loved by her husband for a very long time because he's so busy, mind you, doing chasadim for other people. He's always involved in chesed with other people, but not with his wife. So what happens is she feels, she feels empty. She feels drained. She doesn't feel loved. She doesn't feel cared for. And a woman's need is to feel love. Gentlemen, if this is the first time you're listening to the show, listen to this very carefully because I'm saying this loud and clear. A woman's need in the relationship is to feel cared for, loved, respected, cherished. These are, these are pivotal things for a woman. A woman has a battery. Every woman has an emotional battery, gentlemen, and you better fill those batteries up because if you're not going to fill those batteries up, what's going to happen is going to lead to machlokas. She's not going to come to you and tell you, oh, by the way, my battery's dead, unless she listens to my shows, in which case she will. But if she doesn't, she's not going to come to you and tell you, oh, by the way, my battery is dead. Women don't do that. They should, but they don't do that. We're going to talk soon about vulnerabilities. But gentlemen, you hear me now? Are you listening to me today? I'm li- Why are you listening to me today? Oh, you're probably listening to me because of Kodesh Baruch Hu arranged it somehow. Maybe you're listening to me on the app. Maybe you're listening to me on the phone. Maybe somebody told you about the show. But you know what? It's very important you're listening today. Kodesh Baruch Hu set it up. And I hope to be the right shliach to tell you that your wife has a battery. It's an emotional battery. I not almost guarantee you. I Guarantee you, your wife has an emotional battery that must be filled up on a daily basis. And you have to provide her with attention, appreciation, and affection. That's what you need to provide her with. Now, women who are listening to me now, who are wishing that their husbands would be listening to the show, don't, don't. Don't be wishing. There are ways for you to motivate your husband to provide you with your needs. There are ways of doing that. And that involves respecting your husband. That involves knowing how to request things from your husband. That involves understanding your vulnerabilities and getting past them. And we're going to be talking about that a little bit later in the show. But what I want to tell you now is that we have to understand that what? We have to understand that, and just going back to the story with this lady, that what? That the biggest piece, I'm telling you, the biggest piece of marriage, the biggest avoda is being mavater. Because that happens all the time. And you're always going to feel like, I don't understand. Why don't you come on time? Why don't you leave me money? Why are you picking from the salad? I don't understand. How come you're not learning with the kids? How come you don't care about our children? How come I have to deal with the tuition and, and, and deflect them It's when it's your job? How come, how come you're embarrassing me in front of my friends? How come you're arguing with me all the time? How come this, that, and the other thing? And no one is really intending to hurt anybody else. I'm telling you, most of these cases, most, 
Most. There are exceptional cases. But most of these cases, I'm telling you, even you who are listening to me right now who is thinking about her husband, you're thinking about your husband and how difficult he is, I'm telling you he's not out to get you. I'm telling you he's not out to get you. He's suffering. You know he's suffering maybe financially, maybe with health, maybe with something else. And he's going through a lot of stress. He has his hats on a lot. Hungry, angry, tired, or stressed. He's had his hats on all the time. And he's displacing his stress on you. That's true. I agree. It's not, not nice. It's not nice. He's not doing it because he wants to hurt your feelings. You think he wants to fight with you? Trust me, he doesn't. Trust me, he doesn't. But that's why he's doing it. So you know what? Work on being mavater. If you can't deal with it, yes, there are times that you have to negotiate. There are times, 5% of the time. There are times in certain relationships that you're going to, you're going to, feel, you're going to, feel, you're going to feel in love. You're going to feel uncared. You're going to feel like, like he's just not there for you. Like you can't rely on him. He's not dependable. He's not trustworthy. I'm talking to women, but the truth is it works the other way around also. It really, really does work the other way around. There are some men who need, who need a lot of love. <laughs> there are men who need a lot of love. There are men who need a lot of love. They need so much love. How come they don't know how to give it? Well, they never learned how to. They were never trained. They didn't see this in their house. They didn't watch their father and mother knowing how to express love to each other because they were either parents were too embarrassed or their parents didn't know because their parents didn't know and it's multi-generational. There's no one to blame, honestly. There's no one to blame. It just These things are multi-generational and unfortunately many of these issues happen because of the Chorbanis Nebuch that the Jewish people had to go through. And you know what? I think this is a very good segue into Tisha B'Av because this, this is what Tisha B'Av really is. Tisha B'Av is that calamity, the destruction, the, 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 the horrific tragedies that befell upon B'nai Yisrael. Now, I want to tell you something before I move on. It's not just about feeling bad. It's not just about feeling bad. Tisha B'Av is not just about feeling bad. And if you're listening to me on Tisha B'Av and you just just heard Eicha, I want to tell you that you should feel bad. You should feel horrible. I'm not saying that. It's, It's the saddest day of the year and there's a reason to be sad. But there's a purpose of being sad. It's not just to be sad. It's not the ends Oh, going to be sad. Okay, I'm sad. I was Yaitza. No. No. There's a purpose of being sad. The purpose of being sad is to fix the reason that these tragedies happened to B'nai Yisrael. Are you listening to me now? It's not just about being sad. Of course you'd be sad. But think about how you can fix it. How can we can bring the base of Mikdash now? What could I do to bring the base of Mikdash? Is this being sad? <sighs> What happened on Tisha B'Av? What happened on Tisha B'Av? Let me tell you what happened on Tisha B'Av. A, a bunch of things happened on Tisha B'Av. Number one, let's understand. It, it started the 9th of Av. The Miraglim, the spies, came back from Eretz Yisrael, and they were complaining about Eretz Yisrael. They were complaining about Eretz Yisrael, and the Jewish people started crying. They were crying. Why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I think they told my Sharabino actually, why did Hashem take us out of Mitzrayim and bring us here? Why? They were complaining. Why? That's where it started. That's where Tisha B'Av started. They were crying. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave them something to cry for centuries after that. The destruction of both Beis HaMikdash happened. Both. On the same day. Think it's a mistake? Oh, Mistake. Coincidence. No, it's not a coincidence. It all started with the spies. Both base and Middash were destroyed on Tisha B'Av. A hundred thousand Jews were slaughtered in, Nebuch in, in, Bar, in the Bar Kokhba rebellion. The Spanish Inquisition of 1492, Tisha B'Av. 
the inception of World War One, Tisha B'Av. And on the eve of Tisha B'Av, 1942 was the mass, mass deportation began of Jews from the Warsaw Ghetto in route to Treblinka concentration camp. This was the day, the day of Tisha B'Av. And absolutely, we should feel really sad on the day of Tisha B'Av. We should connect to the pain and the misery that all these people went through on Tisha B'Av. But is that the point? Is that it? No. Yes. First, feel that pain. Feel that destruction. And then say to yourself, what can I do to fix it? What can I do? What can I do today to prevent and to fix and to bring closer the Yeshua? That's the question. That's the question. And the only way to be able to answer that question is to remember this Gemara. This Gemara that says, it's Yishalmi and Yuma, that says, every door, every generation that the Beis HaMikdash is not rebuilt, it's as if that generation, it was destroyed. That would mean that in this generation, if the Beis HaMikdash was around, it would be destroyed. But why? Why would it be destroyed? Well, in order to understand this, we would have to understand why was the last Beis HaMikdash destroyed? Why was it destroyed? The first base of Mish, we know why it was destroyed. Why? It was destroyed because Avayda Zara, Gilo Arayos, Shvi Right? That's you know the three capital crimes. But 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 the second base of Midrash wasn't destroyed because of that. The second base of Midrash was destroyed because of something else. The second base of Midrash was destroyed, we're told, because of Sinas Chinam, because of hating someone for absolutely no reason. And you know what? And I want to add to this. I might be wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure that I'm right. That it's not always sinas chinam. Many times, this, there's a reason that I hate you. I, I don't just hate you. I hate you. There's a good reason. And you might think there's a good reason. And I hate you for a good reason, and therefore I'm going to attack you and criticize you and blame you and, and, and make a shmata out of you because you hurt my feelings. So I'm going to make a disaster of you. Sometimes it might be that as well. A continuous, non-stop, non-stop of sinna. I hate you. I don't think there was a person ever in the world who did something to somebody else and just said, I, well, I just hate his guts. There's always a reason. There's always a reason, right? Even like in, in, in murder cases, right? They, 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 what they call They call it, uh, I forgot what the word is. When, you know, when, the, when the, they try to figure out why the person killed him, right? What was the cause? What was the reason? They try to find a reason. There's always a reason. Does that mean a guy, okay, he's allowed to do it? No. No. It's not being mevater. It's not letting it go. It's not, it's not saying to ourselves that what? You know what? Yeah, he's being an idiot. He's really being disgusting to me right now. But I'm just going to let it go. Number one. Now, not, I, I want to clarify something. I want to clarify something. The basement was wasn't destroyed. You know, <laughs> the basement was destroyed because of sinas chinam. Sometimes, and again, I'm not. I, I don't want to define this in a in a absolute way. But what I'm telling you, bivadois, is that sinas chinim doesn't always mean absolutely no reason. I, I hate them for no reason. There could be a good reason, but because there's a good reason, doesn't mean that you can attack and criticize and make mincemeat of your wife or your husband. Doesn't give you that permission. To rip at them. 
because they hurt your feelings or because whatever happened. doesn't give you that permission because they came late or because they weren't there or because they didn't leave you money or because they're not learning with the kids or because they're not giving you love. doesn't mean that you could rip at them and strike at them and cause machlokas. Of course, there are different levels of hate and there are different levels of sinna and there's different levels of criticism. And the exact reason why the base of Midrash was destroyed at exact level of sinna's chinam, we're not here to analyze. But you know what we're here to do? Because I don't know exactly what level or whatever it was, but I'll tell you one thing. You can fix it. You can fix it. I can fix it. We all, anybody who's listening to me right now on this live broadcast, which is Thursday, July 27th, or if you're not listening to me live, you might be listening to me on Tish Above itself, which I think is even more of an important for, 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 the, for the Tish Above day, is that we can fix it. Not only could we feel bad on Tish Above, which we should, but we could do what's most important. And believe you me, this is much more important. It's not my words. Take a look at the Mishnah Bureau when it talks about Tish above or any of the fasts, that what? That what's more important is to do tshuva. It's more important to do tshuva and to get closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. In what way? <laughs> you say, okay, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take out a piece of Gemara and I'm going to learn Gemara. Okay, that's good. That's good. That's not why the base measure was destroyed. That's not why the base measure was destroyed. Base measure was destroyed Sinas Chinam. So if you want to fix it, fix the Sinas Chinam that you have. So when you're upset at your wife, even for a good reason, let it go. Be mevater. Trust me, it's chinam. It's sinas chinam at the level that you're attacking her. Because instead of conveying your feelings to her, or instead of just letting it go. Because you know what? What does Hashem do with us? Hashem just lets it go. Did you say tachnun? You most definitely said tachnun, right? You said tachnun today, on Thursday, tachnun. So let me tell, or whatever, Lesfardim. It was the same thing. We ask Hashem, Chesed Chinam. Please give us Chesed Chinam that we don't deserve. I don't deserve the Chesed that you give me, Hashem. But you give it to me anyways. So you want Hashem to give you? It's a very simple way. You ask Him, you ask Him. You know what? Do it to your wife. Let it go. Do it to your husband. He's hurting your feelings. He's coming in like a bear. He forgot to give you money. He's acting like an animal. Let it go. I'm not saying you should be there in the line of fire. I'm not telling you that he's coming like a bear, that you should stand there and just like, yeah, what else do you have to say? Why don't you just hit me over the head? I'm not saying that. You can walk away if you have to. Or better yet, feed him. Let him drink. Tell him why. Maybe, maybe you want to take a break. Maybe you want to relax a little bit. Do that. But you want to engage. You want to fight. You want to say to him, and who do you think you are? You want to say to him, why don't you do it yourself? You want to say to him, and, and this is the way you act to me, you disgusting animal? No, you, don't, you don't have to say that because most people don't say that. But you know what people do say? They're sarcastic. Oh, very nice. You're being nice again. Oh, Tati's home. Very nice. I'm so happy you're home. Wow. Wow, I'm so happy. So happy. Why don't you go have a drink? You're acting crazy today. Why don't you have a drink? Sinas chinam. Yes, sinas chinam. It's not the way you talk to your husband. Men, I'm sorry. I'm talking to you as well. I'm talking to you as well. You're going to ignore your wives? Just snowball them, right? You're upset, so you're going to stonewall. Not talking to you anymore. That's it. That's ultimate sinas chinam in a certain way. Shtika, you're not going to talk to her? You're not going to talk to her anymore? That's it. You're ignoring her? You're going to stonewall? Nothing. Nothing. I don't talk to you. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Right? Then become passive aggressive. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let it go. Let it go. And then boom! Becomes a big fight, right? That's not really being mavater. That's not being mavater. That's holding it in. That's saying, okay, uh, yeah, okay, okay, very good, very good. All right, very good. I'm going to show you later. I'm going to show you later. Being Mavatar is saying, you know what, Hashem? This is hurting me, Hashem. 
She just hurt my feelings, but I'm going to let it go, Kodesh Baruch I'm doing it for you. You know why, Kodesh Baruch Because you do it for me. So I'm doing it for you, and I want to get close to you. I want to be like you. And you're Kel, Rachom, Vichanon, Erech, Apayim, Verav, Chesed, VMS. You let go. You let go all the time for me. So I'm going to try to let go for you, Kodesh Baruch This is so hard. I just came home. My wife's already starting with me. I just came home, and she's already starting with me. But I'm going to let it go, Kodesh Baruch I'm really going to be Mavater. I'm not going to be passive-aggressive. I'm not going to hold it in and say, oh, I'm just not going to say anything to her right now. She's, I'm going to work on myself. Right now, I feel that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right now, I feel that way. But I'm going to revisit the issue sooner. I'm going to say, you know what? I'm just going to let it go. I'm just letting it go. Take a couple of deep breaths, Hashem. I'm letting it go. Please bring bracha to our house, Hashem. Let's let it go. And that's what brings bracha. And that's what brings shlemis. That's what brings bracha. And if ultimately you do this and your spouse appreciates, that can even bring connection. I'm not silly to tell you. I'm not telling you. You're listening to me, right? I'm not telling you. Be mavata, be mavata, be mavata, be mavata, and then you'll feel close to your husband. I didn't say that. I said, be mavata, be mavata, be mavata, be mavata, and then you're going to prevent machloikis in your house. You're going to retain stability, and you're going to get close to Hashem. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying you're going to prevent machlokas. You're going to chase the satan away. Because when your husband is testing you, it's really Hashem who's testing you. I, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to be very frank with you today. He's not testing you. Your husband's not testing you. Hashem's testing you. Your husband didn't leave you money? Hashem arranged that. Your husband came late? Hashem arranged that. I mean, my husband. Yeah, he's the shliach. I'm not saying that he gets away scot-free with this. I'm not saying that. This is not you know, the famous story of Parai. Parai could say, what do you want? Jewish people are supposed to be in uh, Galas. They were supposed to be in Gullah. So what do you want from me? No, but you didn't have to be the shliach. But the point of the matter is, if you really want to go on a high level, you, you're listening to me on Tisha B'av, right before Tisha B'av, why don't you think to yourself the folly? Why don't you say to yourself, Akash B'ochu, this test is from you. This test is from you. I'm just going to be mavater. And if you can't do that, and you're thinking the test is from your husband or from your wife, then say to yourself, Hashem, I'm going to let it go. The same way you let go, I'm going to let it go because I'm putting another brick on the base HaMikdash. I'm putting another brick. I'm creating another positive Malach. I'm bringing the base HaMikdash down one more notch. One more notch. And if I do it and you do it and he does it and she does it and we all do it together, then you're going to see Mashiach coming. That's how we fix. That's called tshuva. Of course, there's different ways of tshuva. This is not, you know, on Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, there's all sorts of tshuva that we do. But Tisha B'Av, Tisha B'Av, you know what you should focus on? Being mavater. Avas chinam, as opposed to sinas chinam. You want to fix the base? Make the Tisha B'Av is not just about feeling sad. Tisha B'Av is about fixing it. Fixing it is by fixing what got us there in the first place. So it doesn't even have to. It doesn't even have to be just your husband. It could be your family. What happened? Your mother-in-law forgot to, forgot forgot your birthday. Some of you care. Some of you don't care. See, I don't like her, and I'm not buying her a card either. I always buy my mother-in-law birthday cards. But it comes to my birthday, she doesn't buy me birthday cards. Now, some of you don't care, but some of you do care. It's not, I don't really have to buy my mother-in-law a birthday card, but I buy it for her. She doesn't remember me. Is that fair? It's not fair. Let it go. That, you see, that's Hashem giving you an opportunity to fix the base of Mikdash. That's Hashem giving you an opportunity to become a better person. That's Hashem giving you an opportunity to get closer to Him. 
And trust me, after you do it, not right away, but after you do it, you'll feel good about yourself. You will feel good. So you say, I, I accomplished that. Baruch Hashem, I was Thank you, Hashem. I love you. I love you, Hashem. Please give me bracha. Hashem, I was just mevater. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I was just mevater. That was so hurtful what my husband just did. But I'm going to be mevater. I'm going to be mevater. Because he doesn't always do it. And he's in a bad mood. I know he had a stressful day. I know that, that, that the credit card companies are calling him now. Or I know that he's having problems with his mother. I know that his brother is cheating him. In the, I know all sorts of things. So you know what? And even if I don't know, something probably is going. I'm going to be down the cuffs, chus, that something else is bothering him. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I'm being mevater. I'm being mevater. Please bring bracha for us. Please bring bracha. And... Even more to say, Hashem, please bring the base of Mikdash. This is Tisha B'Av. Tisha B'Av, you are fasting. Your husband is fasting. Ladies and gentlemen who are listening to me, trust me, when you're fasting, and not right away, but like towards like the afternoon, late afternoon of Tisha B'Av, you're going to have your hats on. You're going to be hungry, angry, tired, or stressed. Your husband's going to be hungry, angry, tired, or stressed. Watch out because your tolerance level is very low now. Your tolerance level is very, very low. All you need is a small match and boom. I've seen, I've seen big machlaikasin happen on, 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 on fast days. Oh boy, I've seen big machlaikasin happen on fast days. Don't be silly. Don't be silly. Your husband's wearing his hats. You're wearing your hats. Your wife's wearing your hats. You be very careful. Here's an opportunity to fix sinas chinam and to be mevatar and to say, you know what? He's coming in. He's being nasty. He's not paying attention to me. He's just, I don't know, demanding food. All he has to, all he has to talk about is what are we having f- to break the fast. That's all my husband has to say. No hello. No goodbye. No how you're feeling. He goes to Kinnis. He's there for three hours. He comes back and he, all he has to talk about is, is what are we going to do to break the fast. That's all he has to say. Like, what's his problem? He's not normal. Hashem, I'm being mevater. I'm being mevater. I'm being like you. I'm being mevater. It's only through chesed. Chesed avas chinam, right? There's 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 sinas chinam and there's avas chinam. So you know where you have those opportunities to fix in your marriage. That's why we get married. That's a very big reason why we get married. To what? To be able to fix the sinas chinam. Hashem puts us with someone who's completely different, who thinks, feels, perceives, reacts, responds, loves, needs, appreciates it all differently. Everything differently. And when we're being mevater, that's when we can reach shlemus. That's it. That's it. That's, that's the shlemus. Those are the brachas we see on, under the chuppah, right? Sameach tesamach, re'emahuvim. And all the brachas that we say, right? Baruch Hashem, sameach hasan, imakala, yotzer ha'adam. Yotzer ha'adam. What's yotzer ha'adam? Who created the person? Who created the person? I wasn't created when I got married. Oh, yes, you were. Now it's time to really become the person that you can become. The potential is there right now. The person, which chalik, the chalik alike is the what? That, that connection to Hashem. It happens when you get married because you're going to be challenged. Yes. And what? And to be mevater. And to be mevater. And I want to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. It's very hard. It's a difference between us and animals. That's, you know, it's like the famous story of the Rambam. What happens with the Rambam? What happened with the Rambam? Simcha Zisel talks about the Rambam with, with a group of people came over to the Rambam. Uh, they came to the Rambam and they told him that they could change the nature of a cat. 
They could train a cat to be polite, to be gracious, and to be a butler. And the Rambam says there's no way you can make a cat to control its instincts. It's not possible. So they sat with the Rambam. They trained the cat to walk on its hind legs. They dressed the cat up in a little suit. It was trained that when people came into the room, the cat would escort them to their seats. It was very weird. You could train. You could train animals to do anything, right? In fact, the cat acted just like a butler. And they trained the cat to hold a little cup to serve the people when they got to their seats. So they invited the Rambam to show him this big accomplishment and to prove to him that it's possible to train an animal to be just like a human being. And you Jewish people, everything that you're saying is not true. Animals are the same. So the cat greeted the Rambam and guided him to his seat. And the Rambam got to his seat. He removed the little box from his pocket. And you know what was in the box? Uh, you're right, a little mouse. And he dropped the mouse on the floor. And the cat suddenly forgot that it was a butler and ran after the mouse. And the Rambam turns to those people and says, A cat is a cat and will always be a cat. And Rav Simcha, Rav Simcha Zizel concludes that unless a human being learns to train himself, he can also be like a cat. And, and I'm telling you, there are times where he could be, he can act kind and gracious and cultured. But when his button gets pressed and he loses control, he's just like that cat. But the difference is that we really could control ourselves. We could control ourselves. Don't think about your husband now when I say this. You could really control. Don't think about it. Think about yourself. Don't think about your wife. Think about yourself. Because I want to tell you something. There are... Even though I'm saying we could control ourselves, I am telling you there are certain times with certain people in certain situations with a certain Yonos that you're not going to be able to control yourself. You're going to be so upset that you're not going to be able to control yourself and you're going to have to stuck back. You're going to have to like show them and criticize back and attack back because you were so hurtful to me. I remember. Yes, you can't control yourself with your mouth, but you could control yourself with your body. Get out. Leave the premises. I just need a break right now. I, I, I'll, I'll speak. I can't tell. I cannot deal with this right now. That you can do. I'm telling you that you can do. Anger management skills. That's what we're talking about. Sometimes, in certain situations, you feel like, I can't control myself. I can't. I can't. Now, most people, by the way, I'm not talking about most people. I'm talking about certain exceptional people who have anger management issues, whose sensitivity dial is extremely high, who have you know, self-esteem issues, self-worth issues, and feel really, really horrible about themselves, really. And the way they project it is by attacking, criticizing, demeaning, manipulating their wives or their husbands. And that's what happens. And it becomes a big machlokas. So you know what I always say? Give yourself time. Give yourself time. What do you mean give yourself time? What should I do? Get out. Say, I, I really can't deal with this right now. We'll talk about this later. And, and get out of the room. Get out of the room. I'm giving you permission. Let your husband call me. Let your wife call me. Because you know what happens in the past over and over and over again with the big blow-ups. You know exactly what I'm talking about with the big blow-ups. They don't happen in your house? Baruch Hashem. They shouldn't. But every once in a while it happens, right? Most houses. So you know what? That's Sinaskin. Remember Sinaskin we were talking about? We want to chase that out. You want to chase that out? And you know you can't control yourself? Say, I really can't deal with this right now. Let's talk about this later. And husbands who are listening to me, do not push your wives. Don't say, no, we have to talk about it right now. You say that, but we have to talk about it. So ladies, even better. Say, I can't talk about this right now. Let's talk about it later.
Do that. That can't talk about it now. Talk about it later. That will work. When later? It never happens later. Tell them we could talk about it tonight. We could talk about it after the fast. We could talk about it tomorrow morning. Most of the time, they'll forget about it. Because it really wasn't important. It was just something silly. And they had their hats on. And they were hungry, angry, tired, and stressed. And that became a big fight. So escape. Escape. And that's, you see, you still have control. You can't, you, you wouldn't have control. You have to be fight, right? So escape. Because you're not ready to deal with it. You're not ready to deal with it. What else can you do? Let me tell you what else you can do. We'll give you a couple of tricks here. For Avas Chinam, okay? Tishabov. Tishabov is coming. And how, how, how we do Avas Chinam. Here's another trick. Here's what you tell your husband. Again, mo- what I'm about to say, by the way, what I'm, this is a little bit of warning here of what I'm about to say, because what I'm about to say right now comes with a little warning, and that is do not do this all the time. Do not do this all the time. Do this when you feel really, really, really hurt. Really hurt, and you feel like this. Oh my gosh! Okay, <sighs> you get into a big fight now. You don't want to get into a big fight. It's like whoa! You feel slammed. You feel like he slapped you. You feel like your husband just slapped you. You don't even feel. You know, I've had. I think I said this once on the air. I don't even know if I did, but I'm gonna tell you right now. I'm telling you, most women who I speak to about abuse, and, and you know, I really want to talk about abuse in a second. And this is such a. Are you thinking right now when I say abuse that your husband abuses you or your wife abuses you? Because I'm telling you, a lot of people think they're abused. And, and yes, there's a lot of machlokas in the home. That's not abuse. I want to put on the level of abuse. But when I'm talking about real abuse, physical or emotional abuse, when I talk emotional, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain you soon what I mean by emotional abuse. I do not mean what you're thinking I'm meaning. But most women who have a choice, who would have a choice, to either be physically abused or emotionally abused will tell me they would rather be physically abused than emotionally abused. Now, if this is happening in anybody's home, Nebuch should be seeking help. Neither type of abuse is acceptable. I'll make that clear. But I'm just telling you what people say. Just for you to understand the calamity of hurting someone else's feelings. And that's going to segue into me explaining you what abuse is. Physical abuse is very simple, right? We know what it is. Physical abuse. He's hit, right? You, you, you hurt someone physically. That's, it's a very simple definition. Emotional abuse is not such a simple definition. No. Because a lot of women, I say, I'm sorry, ladies. I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to start with you right now. But a lot of, I'm sorry from my experience. A lot of women will claim that they, they are emotionally abused, and they're really not emotionally abused. They are definitely experiencing a lot of emotional hurt. They're definitely not living life in a happy way, and they're definitely suffering. And I, I'm not trying to take away the suffering, so I want you to listen to me very carefully. I'm thinking again about that lecture that I gave with that prelude. I'm talking to the ladies right now, Nebuch ladies who are suffering in their homes, who are, who are uh, listening to me right now and suffering a lot of hurts from their husbands. You are suffering, and I will tell you, there's no question about your suffering. Do not place it on the level of abuse unless it really is abuse. And let me explain you what I mean by that. Because once you label it as abuse, what you're saying in essence is that this is going to be very hard to fix this because I'm getting abused. Someone's an abuser... So it's like a sickness. He has nebuch, some sort of illness that he has to abuse, number one. Number two, it sort of makes you into this victim. Victim. I'm not saying that people who are 
being attacked by their husbands or being hurt by their husbands are not suffering. But these terms, abuse, victim, that takes it to a different level. So you're going to tell me, Rabbi Greenfield, then what is, what is, what would you consider emotional abuse, Rabbi Greenfield? What would you consider emotional abuse? Okay, I hear you, Rabbi Greenfield. Very nice. But you tell me, because I want to know right now, because I'm living with a husband who's Nebuch really, really like attacking me, criticizing me nonstop. So, so, so what do I do with this? Okay, so I'm going to give you a level. I'm going to give you a level of what I think is abuse. Two things. Number one, it's the intensity of the comment. I'm not talking about when your husband wakes up in the morning and says, oh, I see you didn't do dishes last night. <laughs> shtach, shtach. Oh, there's no forks in the table. That's all you have to say. I've, I've been sweating away like a dog to prepare you this meal, to be on time, and you come home from the Shabbos, from your shul, and all you have to say is no forks. You're appreciative. You're disgusting. You're a disgusting animal. Yes, that is disgusting. And I'm not going to say he's an animal, but and, and he is extremely, extremely hurtful, and what he's doing is unacceptable. So I, see, ladies, I, this is very important for you to listen to me right now because I don't want you to misinterpret. I'm saying to the ladies because I hear the, these terms from the ladies, not from the men mostly. Ladies, it's unacceptable for your husband to hurt your feelings. Period. The end. It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable for him to criticize you, to hurt you, to attack you. I, I agree a thousand percent unacceptable. But to elevate it to a term of abuse has to be two things. Number one is the intensity of the comment. The comment, and let me example. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. Something that's sort of I was privy to. A woman, Nebuch, goes to the hospital for whatever sickness that Nebuch she had. Okay? And her husband doesn't, doesn't visit her in the hospital. He doesn't visit her. And she was because he's too busy working, or he calls her, Oh, I hope you have everything. Send someone there to the hospital to be with her. And she has to go through surgery, and he's not there for his wife. He sends her sister in law there. He's not there for the kids, mind you, because she already arranged someone to take care of the kids. And he's just doing his own thing, not there for his wife. Bechlal, during the whole thing of the surgery, comes back. She says to him, You know, I, I, it's like you weren't there at the hospital for me. Like I, I went through surgery, you weren't even there for there. Like who do you think you are? And it becomes a little fight. And you know what he says to her? He says to her, "Well, you went for surgery because you were sick. It's too bad the doctors were successful at the surgery. You should have died." Could you imagine? Could you imagine? He's upset, and this is what he says to his wife. Okay. That already was an abusive comment. That was an abusive comment. Yes, that was an abusive comment. And when that happens repeatedly, by the way, you heard what I said, by the way, I said abusive comment. I didn't say he's abusive. I said he's abusive comment. I mean, this is the only thing he ever said in his life, never said anything in life. I wouldn't call him abusive either, but it's definitely an abusive comment. If he's a loving husband, otherwise I just flipped out and he said that once and once forever. It's completely unacceptable. Oh my, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't say it's unacceptable. It's the most horrible thing a man can say to his wife. But be careful with the terms, ladies. Be careful of the terms. And there are men who do this all the time. All the time. They'll say such comments to their wives all the time. They really mean, I wish you would die. They really say to them, I, I don't know why you were born. You're a witch. They curse out their, their, their wives in, in horrific, horrific, horrific ways. There are women who do this to their husbands too. They are. Cursing out their husband. Using nivelpeh. You're a worthless. You're just like your mother. Like nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. You know, even though I, I say that when you know, I, I'm saying, oh, you're just like your mother. I, that you can hear people saying, and I'm not saying it's it's not hurtful. Even that, I would say, is that abusive? 
It's very unacceptable. It's very it's a horrible statement to say to your spouse. But you're going to make him an abusive husband because he says that? Sometimes, yes. I know. Don't get upset at me. Sometimes, yes. And here's the other one. So either the intensity of the comment where he'll just say things like, whoa. He'll say things that are just nonstop, truly abusive. And the consistency of it. In other words, he doesn't have to say these horrible, 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 horrible comments, but he just doesn't stop. He just doesn't stop. Every interaction that I have with him is put down. It's criticism, put down, criticism, put down, criticism, put down, nonstop, nonstop, every day. It doesn't stop. Uh, Any conversation we have, he's constantly bringing me down, constantly bringing it down. That, you might say, also could succumb to a level of abuse. Of emotional abuse. Yeah, really, really. I'm saying that. But you have to be careful. I'm not talking about what happens once in a while. You guys get into fights once in a while. I'm talking about nonstop. Every interaction you have with your husband is constantly putting you down. He's just constantly putting you down. You don't have to say horrible, 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 but nonstop. Yes, yes. And I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. Even those husbands who are emotionally abusive could be fixed. Could be fixed. Even the wives who are emotionally abusive could be fixed. Many, if not most of the times, it's related to an anxiety disorder, meaning their sensitivity dial is way too high. It's either borderline personality disorder, an anxiety disorder, and they simply need medication. I know some of you, when you're listening to me right now, you hear the word medication and you're thinking to yourself, oh, I don't believe in that, or by Greenfield doesn't help. You know, I want to tell you something. Before I got into the field, I also used to think medication, medication. I, 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 those, I don't know if you know me, but I'm the type of person who's very into health and, you know, it, it, very into not using medications and supplements and herbs and, and, and eating healthy and all that. But I want to tell you, I'm long enough in the field to tell you, you realize that there is something called a mental illness. It doesn't mean that someone is crazy. And I don't like using that term. Even for someone who is mentally retarded, that's just not a nice term. The person is sick. Right? It's a handicap. No one is crazy. No one is crazy. It's a handicap. But some people do need medication. It's just an anxiety disorder. And they're just so sensitive. And that's why they're constantly being abusing their wives or abusing their husbands. It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable in a marriage. You can't live with a man like that. It's got to be taken care of. It might just need therapy. But my point to you here is we're running out of time. My point to you over here is, is what? My point to you today is that... When you're experiencing this, okay, when you're experiencing this, your husband, your wife, losing control, attacking, whatever it is, don't fight back. Don't swing back. That's sinas chinam. But what do you mean? He's really hurting my feelings. You're right. That's true. That's true. But we're not his judge. This is an assertion that Hashem is giving you. Not that he's giving you, that Hashem is giving you. And if you're not at the level of, li- of hearing what I'm saying right now, I'm listening to myself, I'm thinking, wow, it's a really high, high level to, to, to feel that, that, that my husband's bothering me now, but it's really Hashem. It's, a very high, it's true, it's MS, and we should strive for that, but could everybody really go to that level? No. So you know what? You want to think it's your husband? He's the bad guy. Your wife, she's the bad guy. She's attacking, criticizing, upset, forbittered, forbittered about everything is forbittered. Yeah, forbittered. You know what? Let it go. Let it go. Let go for you. And I'm telling you, when you calm down, you're going to see she's suffering. She's suffering. Something is the reason she's forbittered. And many, if not most of the time, it's because you're not providing her with, her, with, 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 with the love that she needs. You took her out last week to a restaurant. Yippee. 
Wonderful, wonderful. So now you check out? No. She has a battery that has to be filled every day. Ladies, I'm sorry. I'm talking to you as well. You're not appreciating your husbands. You don't say to him, thank you for going to work. Thank you for taking out the garbage. Thank you for learning with the kids. And the reason you're not saying, because that's his job. He's a father. No, no. Appreciate him. He's a man. He's a man. What does the Ramam say? Treat your husband like a sar, like a melech, like a king. Rabbi Greenfield, but he's not like that. He's not a nice guy. Do it anyways. Treat him like a king. You're going to see. It's going to mellow him down. Appreciate him. Say to him, you know, you're a really devoted father. Walk away from this show, listening to me right now, and do it right away. Go to your husbands and tell your husbands, I want to tell you, I don't tell you enough. I appreciate that you go out to work. Oh, what do you want? I don't want anything. I just want to share with you. I was thinking about listening to a share, and I don't focus on appreciating you. And I, I Write a list of appreciation, things that you can appreciate. Don't expect the list back. He's a man. He's not a woman. A woman will get right back. You know what? Gentlemen who are listening to me right now, write a list to your wife. Do this on Tisha B'Av. Do this on Tisha B'Av. Don't just cry. Fix. Write a list of appreciation for your wife. Write a list of appreciation for your husband. And write, read to them, I appreciate the fact that you go out to work, the fact that you're there for our children, the fact that whatever it is, the fact that, that you're cooking our meals, say to your wife, the fact that you spend time with our girls, the fact that you, I know I give you a hard time with it, but the fact that you care that they're clothed with good clothing and you want them to go to camp and you are a devoted mother. And you, and you know what, ladies and gentlemen? It's okay to embellish a little bit, as long as it's coming from a genuine place. It's fine to embellish a little bit. Maybe make it a little more than you would usually do. Because they don't usually hear this from you. They don't. I'm sorry to say. Everyone who's listening to me, myself included. We're, we're not, we, we don't have enough Akarasatov because we're all so busy. So now's the time for Ahavas Chinam to fix the base of Mikdash. It got destroyed by Sinas Chinam. So right now, I would say, finish this show. We have how much time here? Finish the show and... Go to your husband. Say, I appreciate you. I respect you. Tell him that twice a day, the morning and the night. Every day. While you brush your teeth, remember, I put a bunch of people, uh, women on diets. I said to them, it's, it's the ram diet. Respect, appreciate, be mavater. Twice a day, in the morning, when you brush your teeth, that's how you remember. Brush your teeth in the morning. Okay, why am I? Oh, yeah, I remember. I brush my teeth. I should repeat my husband. Finish your brush your teeth. Go out and say, I just want to appreciate you. Not right away, maybe he'll chap. Or even if he will chap, say, I, 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 I'm just trying to remind myself. I feel like I'm not, I'm not nice enough to you. I don't appreciate you enough. What do you want from me? How come you're being so nice to me? No, I'm very genuine. Let him get past that because he still might think that you want something from him. But let him get past that and he'll, he'll shine. He'll shine. That's what every man needs. Every man needs to feel respected. Every man. There's not a man in the world who doesn't feel respected. Women also need to be respected. But women also need to feel loved. They need to feel cherished. They need to feel that they're special. They need to feel cared for. It's a little different. It's, we both need the same thing, by the way. We, we, we all need the same thing, right? Men and women, we only need the same, but there's a little, a little difference, a little difference, a little difference of, of our needs, meaning primary needs generally for a woman is to feel loved, to feel cared for, to feel cherished, right? So you, the husband gives his wife flowers. I love you, right? It's very important for a woman, right? For a man, I respect you. you. You're so smart. How did you figure that out? And appreciating. Appreciating works for both men and women, just to appreciate each other. I really do appreciate you. And that's what we can do, walking out of this show, to appreciate our husbands. And to say, Baruch Hu, you know what? 
it's really not fair because he's really always not so nice to me, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to be like you, Hashem. I'm going to focus on the positive. I'm not going to focus on the negative. Even if there's more negative than positive. Did you just hear what I said? Even if there's more negative than positive with your husband, still, still positive, positive, positive. Positivity breeds positivity. You be positive with him, he'll be positive with you. You're going to see. You're going to see. It's going to mellow him down. It's going to mellow her now down. Spend quality time with your wife. Share your life with your wife. Don't be scared. Even if she doesn't understand. Share your life with your wife. And don't wait to do it. Do it right now. We're in the nine days. We're crying. We're crying for the churban. But how did the churban happen? It happened through Sinan's kingdom. So fix it. Fix it. I'm talking to myself. We all have to fix it. We all have the responsibility to fix it. To what? To appreciate our spouse. To respect our spouse. To connect, to spend time with our spouse. And the hardest part is to be mavater. It's just to let it go. Sometimes you have to negotiate. That's true. This is not about that right now. Don't focus on negotiating on Tisha B'Av. Don't focus on that. Focus on being mavater. Thank you for listening. Definitely you can text me because you never know the apps. It's not who's listening. You can always text 917-397-2841. 917-397-2841. Have an easy, fast, and inspiring fast and a connecting fast to your spouse and to Hashem. Thank you for listening.